0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today.
1: I I got just about as much applause as the coffee announcement got, which is unreal. (laughs) I want to start off today with a story. And whether you're watching online or in person, the story is about you. It's a story about your lifelong relationship with dissatisfaction. It started when you were real little. I don't know if your parents ever told you this, but one of the first words you ever spoke was the word, mine. So you're in a room as a toddler and you have your toy and and another toddler comes walking into the room and you made it very clear that this toy was your toy. You said, mine. Or even more so, you sat in a room with a toy and another toddler came walking in that room and that other toddler had a toy. You quickly dropped the toy that you were holding, looked at their toy, pointed at it, and said, mine, because you were dissatisfied with what you had. And you got a little bit older and you started watching cartoons on TV or on YouTube and in between the cartoons there was commercials. So now you didn't need another toddler to come walking into the room to see that there was newer, brighter, better toys than the ones that you had. I think maybe one of the best ways that I could describe this North American angst around dissatisfaction would be to talk about breakfast cereal, right? Makes sense. Okay, so your parents gave you breakfast cereal for breakfast, maybe, and they probably went with something pretty straightforward, let's say Cheerios, okay? And for a long time, you thought Cheerios were just great. But somewhere along the line, you found out that there was other cereals in the world besides Cheerios, like Fruit Loops, for example, or Lucky Charms, or Cinnamon Toast Crunch, or Golden Grahams, or perhaps the champion of all sugar cereals, Captain Crunch. And if... (laughs) Coffee and Captain Crunch today, that's where we're at, sugar and caffeine. I talked about this like three weeks ago, you can't run your life on sugar and caffeine. Look it up, it's online. Okay, so... And so, to describe this whole North American angst around dissatisfaction, maybe I could use just one simple phrase. Why am I eating Cheerios when what I really want is Captain Crunch? See, because your birthday came and those toys that you saw in the commercial, you finally got them. Maybe it was Smash App Derby or Hungry, Hungry Hippos or an Xbox 360. But somewhere along the line, you realized that there were some other people you knew who had a PlayStation 23 and that seemed just a little bit better to you and then you got into school and somewhere along the line in school You came to the realization there. There was kind of two levels of clothing. There was cool clothes and clothes that weren't cool and You just wanted to make sure that you were one of the kids with cool clothes And so whatever age you were grade 2 grade 3 grade 4 whatever age that was you decided that those clothes that your parents bought you at Superstore, they just weren't enough anymore. You needed something cool and then you got into middle school, and in middle school it became about your shoes. You looked down at your D.C. skate shoes, and you asked yourself, why am I eating Cheerios when I really want Captain Crunch? Because there was a kid, just a grade older than you, and he was wearing Jordan Four, seven $750 pair of shoes, and you decided that would be better. And, and it's funny, this North American angst around dissatisfaction, isn't it? Because it's like a moving target. I'll give you an example. My son, Gabe, owns a vintage clothing company, and a few months ago, he came to me, he said, Dad, I found this shirt for $6, $6 shirt. It's from the 1994 Pink Floyd tour called the Division Bell. I had no idea that Pink Floyd was still touring in 1994, but they were. And so I want you to imagine for a second that somebody bought that shirt at the concert, and they thought to themselves, this is the Cap'n Crunch of T-shirts. This is amazing. Like, I love this shirt so much, but at some point they decided that it was more like Cheerios, and they got bored of it and they got rid of it. And my son Gabe stumbled across it and bought it for $6. And yesterday, Gabe sold it online for $310. So what once was Captain Crunch became Cheerios became Captain Crunch. Am I making sense? It's a real moving target, isn't it? It's like. You get out of high school or you get out of university and you get a full-time job and that first paycheck you get, it's just so amazing. You think to yourself, this is so, I can't believe that I get this much money. Life is good. I'm living the Cap'n Crunch lifestyle. But by the third or fourth or fifth paycheck, it's like, ah, it starts to feel a little bit like Cheerios. Wow, I bought a house. It's so amazing. I love this house so much. And then over time, I need bigger. This is a great vacation, but I need better. It's a North American relationship that we have with this whole topic of dissatisfaction. I would suggest to you that, it, that it's so prevalent that millions of people actually make millions of dollars by playing on your and my dissatisfaction. Years ago, when Corinne and I first got married, we got married in Red Deer and we moved to Abbotsford and we knew nobody. We went to a church, we knew nobody at the church. So about two months in, the church was friendly, but no one had actually really spoken to us. Like they waved to us and said hello, but there was no in-depth conversation. But about two months into this church, we had a young couple come up to us and they invited themselves over to our house for dinner. And, and we just felt flattered, to be honest. We were like, wow, like they must have just saw something in us, right? Something cool about us. They just wanted to hang with us. So it was the first time we were ever going to have anybody over at our little one-bedroom apartment. So we got it all cleaned up. We, we, we made dinner. I don't really remember what we had for dinner, but I remember that Corinne made blueberry pie. And to this day, it's the best thing that I've ever tasted. So this young couple shows over. They invited themselves over for dinner. We were flattered. They came to the door. And when I opened the door, I noticed that he was carrying a briefca- briefcase. Which was weird to me, never being a briefcase guy myself, I still knew enough to know that coming for a social uh, gathering doesn't really require a briefcase. What we were to learn through the course of that meal was that they were not there for a social gathering, they were there to talk to us about multi-level marketing. (laughs) And it's so interesting if you've ever talked to somebody about multi-level marketing because there's really no product. Have you noticed that? Like you try to get, and, and there might be soap or something way down the line, but really they're, 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 like there's no product. I, except through the course of that meal, I came to realize, oh, there really is a product. And the product that they're trying to sell you is dissatisfaction. They invite themselves over for dinner at your house. And they try to sell you the sense of that you are horribly, terribly, incredibly dissatisfied with your current life. And what you really desperately want, maybe more than anything else in the world, is to be rich. And you can and you will become rich if you sign up with them. And what happens if you sign up with them? If you sign up with them, then you get to invite yourself over to other people's house for dinner. And you get to convince them that they are desperately, incredibly, totally dissatisfied. And that they can and they must become wealthy, and they can do so by signing up with you. And throughout the course of this dinner, I came to realize that there was going to be a dotted line at some point that I was going to have to sign. And by signing on that dotted line, I was going to have to say, I am dissatisfied. Now, I want you to keep in mind for a second the setting of this dinner. We're in our little one-bedroom apartment we paid $450 a month because that's all that we could afford. In that one bedroom apartment, there was not one single piece of furniture that we had purchased new. Everything was a hand-me-down. The kitchen table, the bed, the couch, everything. But as the dinner wore on, I realized I can't sign on this dotted line because I am not dissatisfied. There's something really, Interesting about the dinner too, the guy kept on saying the same phrase over and over and over again to the point that it got mesmerizing. And this was the phrase, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, stuff like that. No, no, no. Like I'm serious right now, you guys. Like he said it probably a hundred times. So he'd say something like this: "You, you want to become rich, wealthy, well-to-do, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, stuff like that. And I can help you, assist you, aid you." Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, stuff like that. I want to come alongside you. I want to be your teammate, your friend. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, stuff like that. And I was just like mesmerized by this. And I think he could tell as, as as the dinner wore on that we probably weren't going to sign on that proverbial dissatisfaction line. So he became desperate, and he pulled out the heavy artillery. He reached back into his briefcase, and he pulled out a binder. And in the binder there was pictures, pictures of beautiful houses and boats and ski chalets, but there was a whole section of cars, really nice cars, and he took the binder and he slid it over to Corinne, spun it around, and started to flip through the pages, Porsches, Lambos, Ferraris, and he says to Corinne, what's your dream car? And I'm thinking, oh man, you missed it. This is not going to go well because Corinne is not a material girl. I'm." Like I'm sure she doesn't even know what kind of cars any of those cars are. She's not into that, but he pushes. He's like, I, I just want you to dream, to have a vision, a picture, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, stuff like that. Think big, large, huge, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, stuff like that, and come up with your dream car. And so Corinne thinks about it and thinks about it, and finally she says, Well, you know what would be awesome? A Volkswagen Jetta. <laughs> Which was so funny to me because. Back in that day, it was like a Volkswagen Rabbit, stick a trunk on it, and you got a Jetta, and that's what it was. So now he gets a little bit agitated. He's he's like, no, I'm I'm thinking big, huge, massive, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, stuff like that. Like imagine that you go back to your hometown of Red Deer, you drive into Red Deer, and you see your neighbors, your former coworkers, your former schoolmates, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, stuff like that. What do you want them to see you driving back into Red Deer with? And she says, well, you know what? Now that you mention it. What would be incredible is a four-door Jetta. Because with a four-door Jetta, if Mike and I have kids one day, oh baby, did we ever, um, we can... Okay, you get, you get the picture. But the product is dissatisfaction. It's a North American angst around it. It, it. it steps into our relationships, too. You got this guy who asks this girl out on a date, and she says yes, and he can't even believe his good fortune. And then one day, he gets down on one knee and he says, Would you marry me? And she says, Yes. And he can't believe his good fortune. And then they stand before the altar in front of a bunch of witnesses. And she says, I do. And he can't believe his good fortune. But time goes on. And he starts to notice some things about her. She leaves the cap off the toothpaste. She doesn't make his lunch like Mom did. And he says to himself, Why am I eating Cheerios? When what I really want... Is Captain Crunch. See, I mentioned all of that about dissatisfaction to you because today marks the 10th week of our 10-week series on the Ten Commandments. And I hope more than anything else what I've showed you throughout the course of this series is that God is not a, because I said so, God. He's a, because I love you, God. I want to say that again because I really want you to hear me. God is not a, because I said so, God. God is a because I love you God. In other words, God didn't come up with an arbitrary list of rules that we're to look at him and say, when you say jump, we say how high. Why? Because you said so. For no other reason than that. God is a because I love you God. You are loved right now. God is your heavenly father. He sees you right now. He knows you right now. He's for you right now. And when you read his word and his directions and his law and his commandments, he issues every word because he loves you. He has a plan for your eternal life, but he has a plan for your current life too. And if I had to describe that plan in three words, I would describe it this way, power, purpose, and peace. Power, purpose, and peace. Power in a world where you can feel completely powerless. Purpose in a world where you can feel completely aimless peace in a world where you can feel completely anxious. God is not a because I said so God. He is a because I love you God. And that's why it's so cool that next week we're having a baptism. Jesus said, believe and be baptized. Why? Because I said so. No, because I love you. See, baptism is so powerful because it's an outward expression of an inward commitment. It says, God, I'm putting my old behind me, my regret, my shame, my sin, my baggage, my performance-based acceptance as if it all depends on me, and I'm living for you, from you, through you, from this day forward. Why in the world would someone get baptized? Because he loves you. And as you follow his lead, you step more into what? Power? Purpose and peace. So man, if you haven't been baptized yet as a believer, let's do it. Let's do it. I know who you are, I don't, don't know where you've been, I don't know what you've done, I don't know your past history, and I know I make this joke all the time, but man, if you've had an absolutely unbelievable life and you feel like you're unworthy to get baptized, you are worthy. It's believe and be baptized, and if we have to hold you under the water a little bit extra long, we'll do that for you. When I was baptized, they held me under the water for three and a half minutes, which is a, a, a word. Why do I always make that joke? Du- text the keyword "dunk" to six zero four six seven zero thirty forty. It's going to be a party next week. We would love to celebrate with you. Is it a big deal? Yes, it is. You don't got to, but you get to. He loves you. But today, because he loves you, he, issu- he issued for you and me the tenth commandment, Exodus twenty seventeen. No lusting after your neighbor's house, or wife, or servant, or maid, or ox, or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. The tenth and final commandment is a commandment against dissatisfaction. And growing up in North America, you might look at me right now and say, Mike, that doesn't make sense. Dissatisfaction in our culture is actually involuntary. It just comes with the territory. How am I supposed to choose to not be dissatisfied? I would suggest to you that God makes this command because he loves you, and God makes this command because it actually is possible to choose contentment. The Bible says that we can learn to be content. We can learn to be content. In Philippians chapter four, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this, I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, whatever, wherever I am. Oh, that's a big deal. That'll change your life. That will change your life, that will change your marriage, that will change your family, that will actually change this city. If you and me can learn to be truly, completely content, and it is possible. And what I want to do today is I want to give you four steps that you can take to learn to be content. And if you take it honestly, it will change the trajectory of your life. Step one. Be grateful, be grateful. You've heard me talk about this before, be grateful, it's a big deal. It's a choice, right? Because if you, if you look around the world for something to grumble about, you're never gonna run out. But, but if you look around the world for something to be grateful for, you're never gonna run out. It's actually a choice, and in, in fact, I would go as far as to say this, it's an everyday choice. We have to make the decision to be grateful. I'll give you an example. Last week, I wasn't here. Dave Pool made a joke that I was 15 feet high on the screen. I, I, I was not here, I was preaching online because our family went to the shoe swap for a week on a vacation, okay? Now, almost everybody went We had, uh, there's a picture I think that they have of us, there There we are, there's, okay so we got, we had Tori and Josh and their son Noah. We had Lucas and Lexi, Emma and Vigeli and Gabe. And Samuel and Beza could not come because they could not get out of their work and school commitments. However, we had so much fun in this vacation that we've already booked next year at a different place so that everybody can get the time off. It was absolutely incredible. But there was a couple things that every day I was tempted to grumble about. Every single day. Okay, number one, it was hot. <laughs> it was hot, you guys. Like it, was, it was 45 degrees Celsius there. 113 degrees Fahrenheit. It was hot. And the place that we stayed at had one portable air conditioner. We brought two of our own, and frankly, the combined effort of the three air conditioners wasn't overwhelmingly effective okay secondly I was tempted to grumble about the fact that the description in Airbnb said that this place was just steps from the beach just steps from the beach technically that's true it was just steps from the from the beach I counted it was 500 <laughs> it was I I did I counted it, it was 500 steps from the beach and, 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 it, and it was it was during those 500 steps every single day of this vacation that I was tempted to grumble Okay, It's too hot. It's just way too hot. It's like, I don't know, f- this isn't steps. This is 500 steps. It's kind of not fair. And then, and then I started to grumble about the fact I didn't bring Crocs. Josh and Gabe brought Crocs. I didn't think Crocs were cool, but I'm watching them with their Crocs. They can wear them in the water. They can wear them on the beach. They can wear them on the 500-step walk. Why didn't I- We got so many Crocs sitting in our boot room. I didn't know what they were doing there. I could have grabbed a pair of Crocs, but I didn't. So I'm grumbling about that. What else? Oh, we had, we had a friend who heard that we were there, brought his boat for a day, and uh, all the kids went water skiing. I didn't get a chance to go. So I'm walking along going, oh, you know what? I used to be a good water skier. I could have been out there water skiing. I didn't get to go water skiing. And as I'm taking this 500 steps, sat up with the Crocs, like yeah, the Crocs was like the coming back over and over again, but I'm walking past all these places, and they're right on the beach. And I'm like, see, I could have stayed there. That's what steps to the beach looks like. I'll tell you that right now. And not only that, right when you take the steps, there, there's a dock, and on that dock is a boat. And if I had a boat, I would have got a chance to water ski too, and I'm grumbling, and I'm grumbling, and I'm grumbling. And i got 500 steps to figure this out. 500 steps to figure this out. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm actually having the time of my life. I'm here with my family, and everyone's getting along got some strong personalities in our family and uh, everyone's healthy this might just go down as one of the greatest weeks of my entire life and i'm spending my 500 steps grumbling you got to figure this out you must figure this out please your outward circumstances will make no difference if you don't figure out inside of yourself that you are going to choose to be grateful. I, I, I think I would say it this way. Be grateful. Because wherever you go, you know what you're always going to find? You're going to find yourself there. So you got to figure this out. Wherever you go, you're gonna find yourself there. You can learn to be content, and it's a big, big deal. The first thing we need to do is we need to be grateful. Second, be yourself. Be yourself. Oscar Wilde said it this way, be yourself because everybody else is already taken, okay? Be yourself, everybody else is already taken. Be yourself. Comparison always leads you into dissatisfaction. Comparison always leads you into dissatisfaction, every single time. Because when you start to compare yourself with others, you will always find somebody smarter than you. Look, I know you're a rocket scientist, okay, but you can always find somebody smarter than you, you can always find somebody more popular than you, you can always find somebody better looking than you, wealthier than you, having more stuff than you, living a more exciting life than you. Be yourself. Studies have actually shown that even if you compare yourself down, it will always leave you dissatisfied. In other words, man, I'm feeling like I'm not very good looking, so I find somebody, you know, so I'm pointing there, I'm not going to point it, but I, I, <laughs> I, I, I found somebody ugly, and I'm going to that, use that ugly person compare myself to them so that I feel better. I'm feeling kind of stupid, so I'm going to find like a really dumb person and compare, again, I'm pointing here, right right down here. I'm going to find myself a really dumb person. It doesn't work because comparison doesn't stop. Once you decide to compare, it will keep rolling and keep rolling and keep rolling. It will always leave you dissatisfied. So the decision you need to make is to be yourself. I would actually even take that a step further. Be grateful for yourself. Every day of your life. Say, God, thank you for making me me. Thank you for my gifts, thank you for my abilities, thank you for my challenges that I face today, thank you for my opportunity to not be anybody else, but to with your help God, be something absolutely incredible. Today, thank you for the opportunity to be the me that I was created to be. You say that's arrogance, no it's not, no it's not, it's gratitude, be grateful for you. Four steps to contentment. Big deal. Number one, be grateful. Be grateful because wherever you go, you're going to find yourself there. Second, be yourself. Be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Third, be smart. (sighs) Be smart. We all know this. We all know this. We all know this. There is no correlation. Let me, let, me, let me say this very, very clearly. There is no correlation between the amount of money you have and the happiness that you experience in life. We all know this. But in our culture, we're taught to live kinda dumb. To 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 live as if something that we know to be true isn't true. A couple months ago, I had a friend of mine send me uh, part of a song that she said kind of describes the stories that she's heard of Kurt and I living in that little one-bedroom apartment, talking to Mister etc. etc. stuff like that. It says this: next to nothing in our pockets. We didn't need much cash to get by. Felt felt like more than just surviving. We learned love needs little to thrive. Thrift store art in our apartment, dressed in mostly hand-me-downs, but love don't always look like diamonds, and you look mighty fine in a floral crown. We couldn't buy those big vacations, but wealth can not buy the love that we make. And if paradise is in your presence, that I don't care which road that we take. Because loving was easy living poor, making memories that money just can't afford. And to some it might seem foolish, but to us it's common sense. Maybe living poor makes loving rich. Once you get to a certain level of food, clothing and shelter, there is no correlation between the amount of money you have and the happiness that you experience in your life. We know this to be true. In in, in fact, studies show that once you get past a certain annual household income, your happiness levels also actually go down. You know the old adage that says if you have more money, you have more problems. might just be true. See, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 5 says it this way. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves money never has enough. That's a tough one, isn't it? Whoever loves money never has enough. And so what I wanna suggest to you today is not that, well, instead of loving money, we need to hate money. That that, that would actually be completely wrong. We don't need to hate money, we need to see money for what it is. Money is a tool. Money is a tool. Money is a tool. And here's the problem with it. If you decide that you love money, like Ecclesiastes 10 says, loving money means this, it becomes my object, it becomes my goal, it becomes my passion, it becomes my uh, target. If you love money, you'll always end up using people to love money. You don't need to hate money. You need to see it as a tool. And when you see it as a tool, you'll understand that you don't use people to love money. You use money to love people. Does that make sense? That's why it's there. A friend of mine named Phil Calloway wrote a book called Making Life Rich without any money. Making life rich without any money. And and in it, he suggests that the richness of your life will largely come down to the quality of your relationships. Your friends and your family. That you are known and know, you understand others and are understood by them, you care for them and are cared for by them. You love them and are loved by them. Proverbs 15 says this, Listen to this. Better to eat vegetables with people you love than to eat the finest meat where there is hate. Better to eat vegetables. That's a bold statement. Better to eat asparagus with the people you love. I think that's true. Jesus said it this way. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. See, the stuff that we have, the stuff that we have, we can't take it with us. You know what we can take with us? The relationships that we build, the love that we share. Man, you and me, we, we get to be friends. To, to borrow like a, a, a quirky, nerdy 80s uh, Christian contemporary Christian song, we get to be friends forever. That's pretty cool. Like like really, we can learn to be content. We can learn to be content. We can learn to be content. Man, it's a big deal. So number one, be grateful. Because wherever you go, you're gonna find yourself there. Number two, be yourself, because everybody else is already taken. And number three, be smart. Be smart. Use money to love people. And fourthly, be loved. Loved. I love that, because it could be one word, right? Beloved. You know, the Bible says that's your name, by the way. That's your name, beloved. Earlier on in this sermon, I said that God is not a because I said so God, God is a because I love you. John three sixteen says it this way, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I need to stop there for a second and tell you something. You're loved. You're fully and completely and totally loved right now. Not some future improved version of you. You, right here and right now. You are fully, completely loved. God sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus stepped into human history, and Jesus died on a cross so that we could find forgiveness, move past our past, move past the baggage, move past the regret. And here's what's crazy. The Bible makes it clear in passages like Luke, chapter 15, that if you were the only one in history who needed to be forgiven, Jesus would have died for you. If you were the only one in history who needed to be forgiven, Jesus would have died for you. And three days after Jesus died on the cross, he rose again. So that we could have the assurance and the power to move past our past and step into a life of power and purpose and peace. And if you were the only one in history who needed to defeat despair and defeat darkness and defeat death, Jesus would arose again for you. I wanna let that sink in just for a second. You are loved. not an improved, someday version of you, right here and right now, you are loved. And when I tell you that, I won't follow that up by saying, and you know what? Because you're loved, that's enough. No, that's not just enough, that's everything.
0: If my heart could tell a story If my life would sing a song If I have a testimony If I have anything children tell their children, let this be their memory, that all my treasure was in heaven. Found my joy Faithful hand has held me all this way, and when I'm old and gray, and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known, In You alone, my joy is found.
1: You're loved. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords says today, I love you. In fact, I believe that he has a message for our church. As individuals today, collectively today, I think he wants to tell you it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Years ago, I started talking about this upside down reality of the open-handed life. It's such a cool concept, you know, the upside down reality of the open-handed life that Jesus says, counterintuitively. You want to gain life, lose yourself. Doesn't look like this. It looks like this. It's the upside down reality of the open handed life. And it's such a great posture, isn't it? Because it's a posture to receive. There'll be moments and days that I'll just sit like this. And 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 it's just this recognition, Jesus, I need you. I I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness, I need your strength, I need your love. It's the upside down reality of the open-handed life, knowing that no matter how long we sit or stand like this, God never grows tired of filling our outstretched hands. And yeah, along with it comes this. I'm not clutching and I'm not grabbing. So God, as you give love, may I give love to others. May you give grace, as you give grace, may I give grace to others. As you give blessing, may I be a blessing to others. That's it, that's it, that's it. You're loved, you're loved. And it's such good news, you know, because we can learn to be content. And I know even as I spoke, when I, when I say, be grateful, and there, may be, there might be something inside of you that just says, ah, I've tried, you know, But if you talk to the people around you, you know I always gravitate towards grumbling. Here's the thing, God wants to give you power, power to change. You're not powerless. You invite him in and say, God, help me to change my perspective, help me to be someone who is grateful. And when I stand up here and I say, be yourself, everybody else is already taken, you might say, well that's easier for you to say, Mike. Because man, I've been caught in this comparison trap for so long and I just don't think I measure up. You know what? The upside down reality the open-handed life says this, allow him to give you peace. You don't have to be anybody else. You don't have to stress out. You don't have to worry. Just peace. And be grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. Be grateful for you. And as I stand up here, and I say, be smart, you know. Use money to love people. Man, maybe you're caught on this treadmill. And somewhere along the line, you got this impression that stuff and money was just the end game, and you know that it's not, but it's hard to get off in our culture. But I believe we can get off that treadmill. And I believe it's the upside-down reality of the open-handed life again, where we say, Jesus, please give me a sense of purpose, that I was placed on this planet for a reason. An opportunity to use money, use my resources, use my abilities, use my talents to love people. Wow. Wow. So as we close today, I just invite you just to take a moment of reflection if you don't mind, if you could close your eyes and bow your heads. The upside-down reality of the open-handed life, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stepped into human history. He lived, he died, he rose again. To give us everything we need. Not only for eternal life, but for the life that is worth living today. And all it takes is a posture to receive. And the first step in that, according to the Bible, is to just accept what Jesus did for you through his death and through his resurrection. I just want to give you the chance to do that right now. So whether you're watching online, or whether you're here in person, wherever you're at, If today is the day you want to say, Jesus, I want to receive that. I want to receive your grace. I want to receive your mercy. I want to receive your love. I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to live from you and for you and through you from this day forward with all eyes closed and all heads bowed. you want to just raise your hand because I want to pray with you and for you right now. Nice and high if you don't mind. Awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. If If your hand is raised right now, that's incredible, whether you're online or in person. I just wanna take a moment right now and pray with you. I'm gonna pray out loud, and you can pray silently along with me. You can put your hands down if your hands are still up. That's great, that's great. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you that you give me the power and the peace and the purpose that I can't manufacture on my own. So today, Jesus, I ask you to be my savior. I wanna move past my past today. I'm moving past my past today. And I invite you to be my Lord also. Jesus, that you would give me the strength to live for you today, tomorrow, forever. To become the me that I was created to be. Thank you. That when you died, you did it so that I could live. And when you rose, you rose so that I can follow you today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you, Jesus, in your name, amen. Let's celebrate, church. (laughs) This will change the city, this will change your city, wherever you're at, this will change our city. Learn to be content, be grateful, because wherever you go, you're gonna find yourself there. Be yourself, everyone else is already taken. Be smart, hey, let's use our stuff to love people. And finally, be loved. Accept the absolute truth. You are completely and totally loved. Next week, massive party, don't miss it. Baptism Sunday, gonna be incredible. I love you guys, we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.